0: Oops. I forgot to turn on my light. Good morning. Hello. How are you? All right. Still getting situated here. Usually I'm all put together. Today, I'm apparently not. Good morning. Welcome to Tower View Baptist Church. This is Pastor Nelson, associate pastor at Tower View Baptist Church, for your Sunday school lesson for today, March twenty-first, the year twenty twenty-one. It's amazing that we say numbers like that, since you know I remember being a kid and looking at the year, trying to figure out what how old I was going to be when the year two thousand happened. And here we are in twenty twenty-one. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Tower, this is from I like, Tower View Baptist Church. We're in Kansas City, Missouri. If you're new to us, uh, we are right by the Worlds of Fun water tower that you could see in the picture that was on. That was just behind all those trees there in Kansas City, Missouri. You want to find out more about us? Check out our website at TowerViewKC.com. Obviously, if you're watching this live, you've found our Facebook page, which also has information. So I thank you for watching. I thank you for listening. I see we have people on. And we got good morning, Karen. Good morning, Judy. Um, So we are on. We are live. Things are working like they should, which is always a good deal. And Darren is on. He's posting things. So I appreciate you all watching and listening today. Like I said, we're um, the Sunday school lesson. If you get the Explore the Bible series, we're in session number three, lesson three, Luke. And if you don't have that, we're going to be in Luke chapter 18 today, Luke 18. Um, So uh, thank you. It's a beautiful, sunshiny day out there. It's going to be a bit windy today. So let's start with a, a word of prayer. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you for all your love and all your mercies that you provide for us, Lord. Help us as we study your word. That this knowledge that we get from this will change our minds. But I pray, Lord, it will also change our hearts and change our souls. So it will change our lives and change our actions. That we can better serve you. And if there's one watching, Lord, that has never come to know you, Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will work on their heart and their mind so that they too can repent and follow you and turn their lives to you and follow you. Because this world is temporary and heaven is eternal. Unfortunately, hell is eternal also. So help us to strive to serve you with all our hearts and with all our minds and with all our soul and with all our strength. And we just pray all this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Well, good morning. Like I said, we're in Luke chapter 18. The lesson starts in verse 9. Um, but I think it's important to cover what's just in front of it. So Luke... 18, starting in verse 1, um, it says this, now he told them a parable. Obviously, that's Jesus. He's the one that tells parables. He told them a parable on a need for them to pray always and not give up. So he tells them a parable of prayer. In Luke chapter 9, and in verse 18, verse 9, we're also going to be looking at a parable of prayer. So he tells two parables about prayer here, back to back. And I think that's important. No one parable. Parables are snippets of the kingdom of heaven, snippets of what we how we should be living. They, are, they don't paint a full picture of anything. And so this first parable that Jesus tells... In Luke 18, starting in verse 2, it says this, There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people, and a widow in the town came, kept coming to him, saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeper keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out with her persistent coming. What's the point of this parable? Well, Jesus tells us. Verse 6, Then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will, swift, he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Do you have the faith to be persistent? And not annoying. I tell people, you know, in in different areas of life, you know, you need somebody to do something for you. You know, be that little bird pecking on the window. Not enough to be annoying, but just enough to remind them, oh yeah, I need to do that thing. I sometimes need that in my life. I need a bird pecking on my window to remind me of things. Um, That's why every time I put an event in my calendar, I have multiple reminders to get it done. And if I don't put it in there, I forget about it, whether I want to do it or not. Even if I want to do it, I forget about it. But do you have the faith to be persistent, to keep praying, to keep asking, to keep striving? And that's what this first parable of prayer is. It's about persistence. And it takes a certain amount of faith to be persistent, to not quit and not give up. You're praying for the salvation of a loved one. And you keep praying for it, but you also keep reminding them of it. You don't let them forget that you're praying for them. You don't let them forget that God is there. And so it takes that persistence to to constantly be there. And so that's the first parable that Jesus tells on prayer here in this in Luke chapter eighteen, is about being persistent, and not giving up. But to do it, in a matter that's not annoying and matter that's not obtrusive. It's still a matter of humble. This lady, this widow, kept coming to this judge, and she did it the right way. She whatever processes they had, she did that, but she just didn't give up. She kept going. She didn't throw a big hitsy fit. She just kept showing up. Every time court was in session, she was there. um, Following all the rules of the court. So, you know, we be persistent. You follow God. You're not obnoxious about it, but you keep asking God. And sometimes you're asking God for the prayer of salvation for somebody else. Sometimes you're praying constantly. like, God, help me get rid of this addiction that I have in my life. And you constantly pray, and you think you get rid of it, and it goes away for a little while, and then it comes back again. And so you keep praying for that. Whatever the case is, sometimes it's health, sometimes it's something else. But you you, you just keep praying persistently. And that's the first um, parable on prayer that Jesus tells is persistence dedicated persistence like a little bird pecking on a window you just keep you just keep praying without ceasing and either god will grant you that or god will change your heart and realize what you're praying for isn't right you need to change your prayer request i can pray all day god i want a new and and label the most expensive uh, sports car out there or the biggest, baddest pickup truck out there. And I very well may never get it. Or God will say, okay, yeah, you want that? And he'll get it to me. And then it becomes a uh, a, a lead weight around my neck. And it just becomes, you know, uh, and, and realize, it, yeah, I didn't really want that. I, did, I thought I did. But God is gracious in either case. Then he, he continues on in verse nine, which is where the lesson picks up. So in Luke chapter eighteen, verse nine, we pick up there. He also told them this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on other everyone else. And so he realized that there were some out there that that needed that needed more. Uh, another parable to describe another attitude aspect of prayer and it was this verse 6 uh, verse 10 two men went up to the temple to pray one a pharisee and the other a tax collector the pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself god i thank you that i am not like other people greedy and unrighteous and adulterers or even like this tax collector I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. So once again, here's a parable, and and Jesus tells many parables, and many of them he he says there were two men. We see that with the the prodigal son. There were two sons. The good Samaritan, there were three men that were involved. Four, if you count the one that was injured. Um, But, you know, there was a comparing the, the three men that walked down the road. I walked past the injured man. And so often Jesus says there are two, it uses it as a contrast, compare and contrast. So here's two men and both of them went to the temple to pray. Both Going to the temple to pray was a, was a righteous thing to do. It was a noble thing to do. It's a, it's a godly thing to do. It says they went up to the temple, which you have to go uphill to get to Jerusalem. And then you have to go uphill to get to the temple once you're in Jerusalem. And when it says go to the temple, it's not like going to church. If we had a prayer time at church, you would come, probably, if you wanted to, come inside the building. When we go to church, we go into the church building. But the temple was not a place of worship like that. You didn't. People just didn't go into the temple. Only the priests could go into the temple. And they only did that twice a day. And then, even then, they could only go into the outer area, the holy area. They had the um, candle, the, the menorah, where they had to keep lit. So they had to maintain those candles, and they had to bring in bread that they set on a table. And they would light incense to symbolize prayers. And so they did that twice a day, but only a priest could do that. And there was another place, the Holy of Holies, and only the priest could go in there, and he could only do that once a year during the Day of Atonement. And you might see that on your calendar. It says Yom Kippur. It's usually in in September, sometimes early October. And they could only do that once a year. And only the priest could go in there, and only one at a time. So it was not a place for the congregation to meet. Well, they go, well, What about outside the temple? Well, outside the temple was where the altar was, where you, they made sacrifices, where the the lambs, the bulls, the doves were were sacrificed, and there the priests and the Levites would help manage all that. And you could only go there if you were a Jewish, and if you were a man, and you were bringing a sacrifice. But still, it wasn't really a place to congregate and worship. But it was outside. It was outside the temple. Outside that area was what was called the um, Court of Women. In that area, Jewish men and Jewish women could meet. That was just outside the altar area. And so this is probably where they were praying, is in what was called the Court of Women, because that's where women could go inside the temple area. The temple was more like a temple complex, more than just the building itself. Then outside the court of women was the court of Gentiles. And that's where uh, people seeking God, people who were, who, who were not following God, could come and learn about God in that out in the outermost area of the, of the courtyards, the court of Gentiles. So these two men, they were both Jewish men, so they could go into the court of women, and that's probably where they prayed. And as we go through here, we see both men stood to pray. There's nothing special about standing to pray. It wasn't, and this Pharisee is not criticized for standing. That's not the issue. We see throughout Scripture people standing to pray, raising their hands to pray, bowing their head to pray, praying out loud, praying silently. Sometimes they they got down on their knees and prayed. Sometimes they were laid prostrate on the floor, on the ground, flat out, and prayed. Um, Samuel prayed in bed. So there's all kinds of postures of prayer, and, and none of them, there's none, no protocol that says this is how you are to pray. So this Pharisee is standing up to pray, which was perfectly fine and perfectly normal. And apparently he prayed out loud. But even as if he didn't, his prayer is no, no, no worse. And he prays a rather prideful prayer about himself now should you know the question is should we have should we brag in prayer is that a thing to do should we brag when we pray well are there is there any examples of people who who brag when they pray well you might hit some today in in, in the sermon In Nehemiah chapter 13, in three different places. In in Nehemiah 13, 14, Nehemiah prays this. He says, remember me for this, my God, and don't erase the deeds of of faithful love I have done for the house of my God and for its services. Remember the things I did, God. See how I am serving you? In verse 22, remember me for this for this also my god and look on me with compassion according to you to the abundance of your faithful love and then the last verse of the of the book verse 31 i also arranged for the donations of the wood of the appointed times for the first fruits remember me my god with favor it's like well that's Nehemiah he he wasn't a prophet he wasn't anything is there anything else? Well, look in the Psalms. Psalm nineteen. I'm sorry. Psalm eighteen. I was off by one. Nope. I'm right. Nineteen. Um. All right. I wrote down wrong. Nineteen. I, okay. I want Psalm eighteen. Psalm eighteen. And all of Psalm 18 is David rejoicing because King Saul died. And, and this whole thing is about all the things that he did through God. In Psalm nine, Psalm 18, verse 20, it says, The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. He repaid me according to the clean, cleanness of my hands. For I kept the ways of the Lord and have not turned from my God to wickedness. Indeed, I have all his I have let all his ordinances guide me. I have not disregarded his statutes. Statutes. I am I was blameless toward him, and I kept myself from my iniquity. So the Lord repaid me according to my righteousness and according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. And as you read through this, and it's like, whoa, well, that's pretty prideful there. He's, he's claiming he'd done all these things. He ends this chapter in Luke hey, Luke. Psalm 18, so we were in Luke 18, but this is Psalm 18. You go down to verse 46, the last part of this psalm. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. The God of my salvation is exalted. God, he grants me my vengeance and subdues peoples under me. He frees me from my enemies. You exalt me above my adversaries. You rescue me from violent men. Therefore, I will give thanks to you among the nations, Lord. I will sing praises about your name. He gives great victories to his king. He shows loyalty to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. So even though David brags about what he's done, he says, hey, look at all these things I've done. He, he still gives it to God. And the same with Nehemiah. Even though Nehemiah brags and says, remember me for these things that I did. He's pleading to God. God, help me. You know, remember these things that I've done for you. And so, but we get to the Pharisee here in Luke 18, and he doesn't mention God. He doesn't thank God, so he, he could pray these things out of humbleness. The Pharisee, he's praying. He says, "God, I thank I thank you." Well, he says, "God, I thank you." Right. That I am not like other people, greedy and unrighteous, and adulterers or tax collectors. But he 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 doesn't mention God again. And and it's it's not so much that he's thanking God because God has God did this to him, he did it himself. He says, "I am not like these other people." He comes up with an attitude. He cops an attitude, attitude of pride. He's not like those other people because, well, I'm better than them. You know, he's a Pharisee. He he's been to seminary. Therefore, you know, he's better than them. Well, I've been to seminary. That and, and a couple dollars, I can get a I can get a coffee at Starbucks or something. Um, so what? Seminary gave me some head knowledge, but it didn't make me better than anybody else. It wasn't a check the box. It's like, okay, I've been to seminary. I'm I'm, I'm more holy now. I don't work that way. There are plenty of pastors who have been to seminary that prove their unholiness. There are plenty of students who went to seminary and proved their unholiness. Most people who go to seminary do not end their life as pastors or even in the ministry many don't even uh, end up in church even going to church and following God anymore and that's all seminaries not just you know not just the liberal ones all of them so that means nothing worldly education means nothing to God not in eternity it may be part of your path the seminary was part of my path that God has given me in my life but it doesn't get me anything. And so this, this uh, Pharisee, his just attitude is like, I, I fast twice a week. Well, that's not a bad thing. Fasting is not bad. You should fast. But out of humbleness, it's like I'm fasting to remind myself who God is. I'm fasting to ask God to lead me in my life, not to brag about it. he gives a tenth of everything. Well great. But you do that because you realize it's God who had who owns it to begin with and you're just giving some of it back to him. It's not accomplishment in itself. It's not as the TV preachers will say, well this is, you know, this is seed money. You you give this and God will bless you more. Well no, he, he may bless you, but it may not be financially. And that's okay. And so this Pharisee, he's all high and mighty in attitude. And then we get to verse 12. But the tax collector. That's a very big spiritual word in Scripture. Pay attention to it. Because he's contrasting something before it and something after it. Pay attention to that word when you see it. The tax collector standing far off would not even raise his eyes to heaven but kept striking his chest and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So here's this um, hex clicker. He's also standing to pray. But it says he's afar off. So the Pharisee is standing like out in the middle of the crowd. So if we opened up our sanctuary here at Tower View, and those of you who know it, the Pharisee would probably be standing front and center. He'd probably be standing up towards the front of the of the sanctuary, up by the altar table, and facing everybody and praying out loud. The tax collector would be standing up against a wall, probably towards the back, praying quietly. You can pray loud, you can pray quietly. That's not the issue. The issue is your heart. And so this tax collector, he may also give a tenth of everything he has. He may also fast. It just doesn't say that he did those things. That's not the point of his prayer. His prayer was, have mercy on me, O God, sinner. A prayer of repentance. A prayer of continual repentance. Repentance. Yes, we repent that first time. We realize that we're a sinner and we need Jesus Christ in our hearts and our minds. And that we need to follow him. But it should be a prayer of continual repentance because we don't stop sinning. No, we don't get perfect on this earth. There are some who think so. But that's not the way it works. Perfection doesn't happen until heaven. The best we can hope for is progress. We call that sanctification. I learned that word in seminary. Sanctification. You know, the process of being made holy. We go to the sanctuary because that's the holy place where we worship. We are saints of God because we are holy ones, because God made us holy. And God sanctifies us through Jesus Christ, his son. He makes us holy. And so here's the prayer of this tax collector. He hadn't been to seminary. He wasn't in ministry. He was just an IRS tax agent. Just a worker bee. And he has a humble heart that prays, "God, have mercy on me, a sinner." This prayer he did he, he beat his chest. Put his hand across that. You may still see that in the Middle East sometimes if you, you see when something, an explosion happens or something happens. People beat their chests. It's a sign of repentance, it's a sign of mourning that they do. And it's just a cultural thing. There's nothing magical about it. It's just a cultural thing. Um, when the basketball tournament's on, you may see people put their hand, hand on their head and, and, and disgust as they lose the game. Um, it's just a cultural thing. There's nothing special about it. But it's a, a symbol of saying he is in mourning over his sin. And he looked down because he was in sorrow over his sin. And that's the attitude we should have, is that of humbleness coming before God. But yet, in the previous prayer, it was about persistence coming before God. So which is it? Well, it's both. That's why he told two parables. We can be humble and persistent all at the same time. We can be humble and praise God for the great things he has done in our lives. Like King David did. He praised God for the mighty things that he did in his life. It's like Nehemiah did. Nehemiah, you know, reminding God that God needs reminded. But that's okay. God, see the things I did for you. Help me to continue doing those things. I thank you that you let me do those things. I had the strength and the wisdom to those things. And so, We can remind God and thank God and praise God all at the same time with an attitude of humbleness. It's like humble bragging. And that's the attitude we need to come. And Jesus explains that in verse 14. So in Luke 18, 14, I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other. Because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So the Pharisee exalted himself. He prayed out loud. He prayed boastfully. But this tax collector prayed humbly and prayed silently, bringing no attention to himself. And God said, that's the one that will be exalted in heaven. And he was justified. What's that mean? Well, it's a legal word justice. He's justified. His sins were forgiven. Salvation is his. And he said the Pharisee was not justified. That means his sins were not forgiven. His attitude was not right. And And to bring this point home about this humbleness, about this attitude we need to have, it continues on in verse 15. And this is not about prayer uh, specifically, but it's about our attitude in general. In verse 15, people were bringing infants to him, so he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. And Jesus, however, invited them, let the little children come to me and don't stop them, because the kingdom of God Belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And so we don't know if this happened immediately afterwards, but it happened later on and it sits right here together. So as you read scripture, these things aren't separate things. They're separate, but they're not. <clears throat> so people were bringing infants and children to Jesus, so Jesus could touch them and bless them. They recognized that there was something special about Jesus. They may or may not have recognized he was the Messiah, but they recognized there was something special about Jesus. And so they were coming to him. And the disciples were being pragmatic. They were being good handlers. You know, there's a ton of people there. There are many important people. Don't let, you know, don't let the children come in. I mean, that's what handlers do. I mean, if you went to the White House right now, today, to Washington, DC, said, I want to see the president. You ain't getting in. You weren't scheduled. You haven't been cleared. You're not getting in. You think, well, I'll go see the governor. Well, same thing. You haven't been cleared. You didn't, you're didn't. you not getting in. Go downtown to, and see the mayor. You're not getting in, not without an appointment. The only difference between those three is, you know, you might be able to get in a little bit quicker to the mayor than you would be to the governor. And Wade, you, yeah, you're probably not going to get in to see the president at all. So they were being good handlers, they thought. But Jesus has compassion. He's not pragmatic. He's about compassion and mercy. He says, no, let these children in. Let them come to me. Because the kingdom of God belongs to, not. it doesn't say belongs to the children. It says to such as these. He's making a comparison. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little children like like a little child will never enter it. What are the qualities of a child? They're humble. They believe what you tell them. If you tell a little child that on December 25th this white-haired guy with a beard and a red coat is going to come down their chimney and give them presents, they believe you. Without question. Until they get older. In my case, I recognize my mom's handwriting. Um, they believe you. When you read scripture, do you believe God? Just because he said it. That's one of the qualities of shot. They just believe without questioning. They act on the faith, on the things that they've learned without questioning. They're not worried about what other people think about them. They just do. You know, they say, you know, kids say the darndest things, right? Because they're not worried about what other people think. You know, they will repeat some of the things you say and it's like, oh, I didn't want you to say that out loud they because they, they're not worried about what others think they're not worried about you know public perception Do you talk about God and not worrying about what others think do you believe God not worrying about the logic of it? It's qualities of a child that's who the kingdom of God belongs to you know, whatever the kingdom of God is Jesus used that in many ways throughout scripture. Sometimes it seems like it's about salvation. It's about the family of God here on earth, the church. Sometimes it's about heaven. Sometimes it's about a future kingdom that's to come when Jesus returns. But that's all part of the kingdom of God. It's it's, it's bigger than we can imagine. It's not just one aspect of it, it's many aspects. And so it's large. And so you come humbly like a child. You pray like a child prays. Think about when you hear a child pray and how they pray and what they pray for. That's how we should pray. With that persistence, that humbleness, but yet boldness to come before God, to ask for anything. You may need transportation. He may give you a brand new, you know, decked out F-150. Or he may just... Find out there's a a co-worker that lives nearby and you can carpool. And you can share the gospel with them as you carpool every day to work. And he answers your prayer. Not with giving you the big fancy vehicle that you want. But giving you an opportunity to share Christ with somebody. Because he gave you another way to get to work. And so God will answer different ways. Maybe not the way we envision. But we're still open to it. We say, okay, God, here's what I need. I need to get to work. My car is broken and I can't afford to fix it. God will provide a way. And so you come with the humbleness and boldness of a child. You come with the humbleness knowing that we are sinners. But yet we can be bold and persistent with our prayers. Like the widow was. And so these three incidents right here gives us a heart and a, a clue what our heart and our attitude should be as we come before God with humbleness, but with boldness and, and persistence. We don't we, we don't think we, we don't think of boldness as being humble, but it can be. You, you can humbly and boldly go approach your boss at work. It is possible. In the military, we do it all the time. We, we call our commander, sir. You know, we, we stand at ease or at attention when we're, we're talking to them. And if we word it correctly, we, we can be quite bold in how we say it, how we say things it's the same with God. We can come to God humbly, but yet boldly and persistently. And so think about how a child asks for things and how a child works. That's how we can work, live before God. And so these three things come before Him. You are worthy to come, and you are worthy to do this. God gives you permission to do this. He doesn't strike you down as soon as... You know, you, you approach the great and uh, wizard of Oz. No, that God's not that way. He acts more like the man behind the curtain, but yet He still has the power of the Wizard of Oz. And He is He is bigger and better than that. He is more on all whatever attributes you think of God. He, he's more than you can comprehend. That you can come before him. Because he is compassionate and he is merciful. So I pray that you can add this to your prayer life. That you can come before God boldly. In a humble attitude. And persistently. Day in and day out. Praying again and again for the things that's in your on your heart. The sin in your life where you repeatedly have to confess your sin. Have mercy on me, God, a sinner. And praying for the will and and, and the knowledge and the strength to overcome that sin. And praying for the salvation of others. Praying for our church, that we can go forth boldly and proclaim God. And that we can teach and preach to, to our brothers and sisters in Christ. and and encourage them when they're discouraged. All those things. I pray that we can do that. So you pray for us as a church. Pray as pastors. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ, the people who are in your Sunday school classes, even though you may not be meeting. Praying for other, our sister churches around the area and across the world. For those that you know that are missionaries that are serving in other countries. Praying for your family that is spread out across this world. Praying for salvation. For co-workers and family members and neighbors. And praying for your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that you work with. That are your neighbors. All those things. And praying for the kingdom of heaven to come to this earth. Whatever that looks like. Praying boldly. Persistently. That you come with a humble heart. Let's pray. God, I just thank you. If you allowed me to teach. So however many people are watching online right now. Or watching this recording later. It's humbling to know that people are watching and listening. Because I'm a nobody. I don't deserve any accolades, Lord. I stumble and stammer over my words, make funny sounds with my mouth, Lord, but yet you've put me in a place to teach. I pray that we can just come humbly and boldly before your throne. We are just mere sinners in your presence. We just pray all this in the mighty and the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. So I thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Once again, I am Pastor Nelson Isley, Associate Pastor at Tower View Baptist Church, Kansas City, Missouri. Check out our website, at towerviewkc.com. There's a place you can send us messages, ask questions. You can call or text the church number, 816-368-1330. So I thank you for watching and listening. Let's see who's all on. Rose, Jeannie, praise God that you're on. Thank you for watching. Don and Shirley, I'm glad you're on. Welcome. See, there's Karen and Judy again. Darren is on there making all kinds of posts. And anybody else who is all online watching and and listening today, I thank you for, for, for all that and for your um, uh, patience as we as we go through these. So next week Darren will be teaching. I am going to be preaching next week. So uh, come to church today. Church is at ten thirty. Drive in church. <coughs> um, I don't think Darren's going to be preaching outside. It's going to be too windy. He's going to blow everything away. He may be outside as to be, begin the service. Um, but if you have reservations, you can come inside um, and, 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 and worship. And if you haven't made reservations, please make reservations. There is space inside. We have space inside the sanctuary. We have space inside uh, the basement. If you just want to get out of your car, you can, we can sit in the basement. The fellowship hall, I have a radio down there. And you can sit at a socially distance and, and listen. The same as you listen on the, in the car, but you're in a room with a few other people. Um, if you so desire. And so the sermon will be um, streamed online again today. So praying all the technology works. So it's going to be a beautiful sunny day, although it's going to be a windy day. So I I pray that we'll see you today. Thank you. Like I said, thank you for watching and listening. God bless and have a, um, a blessed day this Sunday. Thank you and praise God.